Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that brings you interviews with the motorcycle industry insiders and racers who make the sport move. I'm host Dale Spangler, and in this episode, I'm joined by Vance Barton, founder of the off-road day camp and therapeutic recreational riding program concept, Every Flower Grows Through Dirt. This episode is brought to you by Moto America, home of AMA Superbike Racing and North America's premier motorcycle road racing series. Rewatch every round of the 2023 series and revisit all the season's action with the Moto America Live Plus video on demand streaming service. Or visit the Moto America YouTube channel for race highlights and behind the scenes video content. Look for the 2024 race schedule to be announced soon over on the MotoAmerica.com website and be sure to follow Moto America on social media for real time series updates and original content. Welcome, everybody, to our second episode of 2024, and uh, tuned into the Supercross again this weekend. Kevin, I don't know if you caught any of it, but it couldn't have been any different from the opening round in Anaheim, California. This week was in San Francisco, and it was a complete mud bath. First gate drop to the end, I think it was raining the entire time. It was more like a jet ski race than I think a motorcycle race. Did you catch any of it by chance? Sorry, Dale. We're still just elbow deep in NFL playoffs right now. Well, speaking of that, so, you know, the races are always broadcast on Peacock. And of course, I'm sure you probably saw this, just the sky was falling because an NFL playoff was streamed exclusively on Peacock this past weekend. And I think, what was it? The Kansas City Chiefs versus the Dolphins, I think, or something like that. And people are just losing their minds because you can only watch it on Peacock. Don't, don't get me started on this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know you want to get me started on this shit because you sent it over in the show notes before <laughs> we press record, but you know, you would see commercials for the game and it's like now for the first time ever in NFL history, an NFL playoff game is streamed on Peacock. Like it's making it seem like it's this great milestone event when in reality it's like, Hey, we figured out how to charge more money for something that was free and accessible to you before you started paying us for it. Yeah, people scrambling to sign up for Peacock, which a bunch of people are going to go back probably today and <laughs> start deleting Peacock, you know? So it's just, this is kind of strange times. Like we talked about a little bit last week about this. It's just kind of a wild west in some ways where we're at right now with television streaming. Personally, I would just rather just pay a yearly fee especially for like Supercost, they are offering it now for international viewers. They can pay a yearly fee and watch all the races live. And I'm like, that's perfect. You know, I don't need anything else. So F1 is the same way. I pay whatever. I think it's a bargain. It's like 70 bucks a year. And I'm like, it's incredible. You know, so for people that are diehard fans, I think that's the ticket personally, but uh, I don't think that's going to be going to happen because it's all about making money, right? 
in their defense, like I, I think what they are doing in the actual app, like the the process of watching through the app is pretty seamless. Like it's it seems like it's really high quality, you know, like the the, the stream itself. And so I've been pretty happy with the actual coverage and everything like that, which I think it's NBC Sports doing it. And the announcers have been awesome. Jason Thomas will be coming on here in a couple of weeks, which I'm excited to have him on. One of the, you know, he's the on-track analyst. So that'll be fun to have him on here in a couple of weeks and talk about his experience on the broadcast team. Nice. I And no offense to him. I'm, I'm sure he's really good at his job. Uh, I cannot stand NFL commentators. <laughs> so during um, the... It was the Lions playing the uh, who did they play? I already forgot the the Rams. I just muted it and I was just spinning records in the background. So a very very millennial hipster way of watching football, but like man, I, I can't stand NFL commentators because it's like what more do you have to say other than like, well, this team's trying really hard to score, yeah, you know, and it's like, well, I think the other team because they're losing right now, they probably have to put more points on the board if they want to come close to this game. It's just like all just so superficial, just stuff that I just can't stand. Yeah, I mean, it's such a polarizing topic, you know, like I feel like it's so subjective in my mind because I feel like somebody's voice might annoy the heck out of you, and then somebody else's voice was perfect for you, but like everybody has a different take, you know, and so. Yeah, announcers in general just seem to be very polarizing. You know, love, hate, get lots of people talking crap or whatever. So, but I I think it's got to be, it'll be fun to talk to Jason because I know it's got to be a difficult and stressful job. I can't imagine doing live television and having the pressure of not mixing up words and things like that. I mean, it's got to be a tough job. To drive your point home, we're recording a podcast right now that's not live and I have complete control over every editing suggestion yeah. and whatnot. And I'm still nervous recording this. Like, you know, so I can't imagine doing it live and doing it seamlessly like they do. But, you know, if I could listen to the Beatles and watch a football game at the same time, why not? <laughs> nice. I like it. Oh, you know what, Dale? I did do something this week that might interest you. It might not. But so I, I had to babysit my parents' dog. That's a whole other story of why this dog needs babysitting and the whole personality behind this dog. But that's not the point of the story. Uh, they have a Nintendo Switch that they never play. They have old N64 games that they emulated for the new console. And one of them was Excite Bike 64. Yeah. Love that game. Yeah. Okay. So I had this whole bit because you could go on and you could select the players. You know, you can select your. Uh, motorcyclists and whatnot i can't even think of the word for riders jesus christ it's, it must be monday right <laughs> i can't think of the word riders so what i was going to do i was going to go through all of these and see if you remembered these professional riders and i went through the whole list writing them down before i realized that they are all fictitious yeah, i was gonna say they're so, probably all made up <laughs> yeah, i was gonna have you talk in depth about jumping jim rivers and Tricky Ricky Stern, Bobby Big Dog Malone. I really wanted to see what you remembered of him when you watched old Bobby Big Dog Malone races, not realizing that these are all made up. It's a long-winded way of me saying I came prepared with nothing today, Dale. Well, what's new? <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah. It's no, like but that that is like a classic. I don't know if it was the very first like dirt bike game, but like the one that was the most realistic at first, which is I know kind of funny to say because you watch it and you go, oh, this thing is pretty primitive looking, the graphics and everything. But it was so cool the way you could jump it and you can kind of like push the bike back and forth in the air with the controller and get a little more distance out of your jumping. And then so, yeah, it was 
pretty much talk to any dirt biker, especially people my age, you know, a little older. They're going to be like, yep, excite bike. You know, they probably even have T-shirts out there that are, you know, people are buying still because it's just such an iconic, you know, video game for for motorcyclists. Yeah, that's what I love about those old games. I know that we're getting kind of on a, a tangent here, but like old games when done well have such a cultivated fan base that still play them like i I don't know if you saw it like there is like a huge tetris community and they're all rallying around this one kid who is like the first kid to finally reach the kill screen of tetris this just happened like a couple weeks ago and it's like man people are still playing tetris like 30 years on well i think i saw where there's this i think it was gen z's there's a huge movement of nostalgia for those like old games like that and just everything old in general i know i, I know I'm, I'm younger than you but i'm just starting to reach that age where gen zers they're playing old games that i grew up on and now i, f- I feel the pain <laughs> they're, they're talking about playing like oh check out this old game that my dad plays it's called goldeneye for n64 and i'm like oh my god dad games that's a new term for it the dad jokes you got dad games now got dad games got dad bods got dad jokes yep Yep, got all the above for sure. Definitely got the dad bod going for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, getting excited to uh, go on a little road trip here soon. I'm going to be going to the AIM Expo, which is the American International Motorcycle Expo uh, in Las Vegas. So it's like dealers come to look at manufacturers' new products. So they'll be like Triumph, Honda, Kawasaki, all the manufacturers. But then there's manufacturers of aftermarket accessories too. So like helmets, apparel air filters, you name it. All these brands will show up in Las Vegas and it's kind of like a big party, really. You get to see all these faces you haven't seen for maybe a year or two, maybe even longer. Um, There's going to be some races indoors with some electric bikes, so it should be pretty cool. I think there's going to be a lot of focus again on you know EV space, and so I think it'll be interesting to see where that's, if it's progressed or if it's kind of about the same or if there's more brands coming to the market. I know there's some talk about some alternatives like uh, hydrogen powered motorcycles so yeah it'll be interesting to see what kind of the buzz is because i know like with evs in the ev space for four wheels like cars it sure seems like there's a lot of people wanting to pump the brakes right now going way whoa this is a little too early here you know like we're trying to adopt all of this full ev you know way too soon so yeah it'll be it'll be fun to see kind of the pulse of the industry if you will and uh you know catch up with a bunch of people that i haven't seen for a while What's your uh, what's your take on Vegas? Like, are you a Vegas guy? Not at all. The less amount of time I could spend there, the better. <laughs> you don't get drawn into the debauchery? Like, <laughs> No, I don't gamble at all, so I think that's part of it. Like, I just hate losing my money. I, that's all I tend to do is lose money when I gamble, so I'm like... Mm, the, but the yeah, great thing about likes. Vegas is that there are so many more ways to ruin your life than just gambling. <laughs> yeah, and it's if people even talk about that with the, on the trade show, they're like, oh, when they go there, it's like you know people showing up late, bleary eyed, just hung over because they stayed up all night. And but me, I've done been there, done that so many times that I'm like, I just can't even fathom like getting up and go walking a trade show with the hangover at all. You get people saying, "You guys want to hear the motorcycle rev? Let's hear that engine." You're like, "No, <laughs> I don't know." If I if I went with you, I think one of us would do the interviews, and then the other one would not be found until the end of the trip, and we know which one of us would be which. <laughs> well, I'm excited for this week's guest, Pastor Vance Barton. And uh, he has this kind of interesting idea slash concept for an off-road day camp and therapeutic recreational riding program. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing what this is. I don't think it's actually been implemented yet. So, yeah, looking forward to hearing what his ideas are and, uh, you know, how much progress he's made on it. So let's get started with this week's episode. 
I'd like to welcome to Pit Pass Moto, Pastor Vance Barton. Pastor Vance, how are you today? What's happening, I guess, in your neck of the woods there in Iowa? Well, in my neck of the woods here in Iowa, there's about oh, 20 inches of snow out there, which is great for four-wheel drives, snowmobiles, and snowblowers. So we, we thank God for all those three. Definitely. <laughs> well, I'm excited to have you on. So tell some of your, your story of this idea of this project you have that you've been working on. It looks like for quite a long time called the Youth Project Using Minibike Motos. Whip them, whip them, let's whip them. Yeah. But before we get into that, I really wanted to kind of dig in a little deeper as to your background. So tell us how you got involved with two wheels. And uh, I think you raced motocross and road racing, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, I did. Um so when I was in second grade, everyone gets asked in second grade what they want to be when they grow up. Well, when I was in second grade, I said I wanted to be evil Knievel. Nice. And my second grade teacher said, oh, pick a doctor like your dad or or pick a policeman, fireman. And I didn't want to pick anything else. So I remember just going back to my desk and just sat there and didn't say a word. I'm sure I went home and cried or something to mom. And that very next day, I heard my mother yell two times in her life. And that was the first time I ever heard her yell. And she walked me back to school that day. And she kind of read that teacher of the riot act. And that kind of inspired me, I guess, to get a, to get a mini bike. And, uh, I had to pay for half of it. My father had to pay for half, which he hated. So I ended up getting a brand new YZ80, cost 608 bucks. And then of course we had to get a trailer and we had to get helmets. We had to get all, all that stuff. But my dad didn't know anything at all about dirt bikes. You know, his advice to me every race was you got your rubber band wound tight. So I basically had to teach myself how to ride a dirt bike, but I, I just loved it. Started out racing District 22 in Iowa, then went District 17, but I had my first number one plate when I was 10. Um, I got a sponsorship from Suzuki, so I was I was fortunate enough to be able to go to that Suzuki School of Motocross in Carlsbad, California, and I met a lot of good people when I was out there, and I, I went out there like four summers in a row, and I raced, you know, until I was about 27, just like anyone else. You know, I never won a national, never, you know, won the big Supercross race or anything like that, but I was out there trying hard every time had a real positive impact on my life. So that's kind of why I started this project that I'm doing. I started in 2015. And basically, it's a youth project using motorcycles and mentors. So the, the mentors is the big thing. I had a real positive person in my life growing up as a kid. I was fortunate to grow up in Iowa, which a lot of farmers, a lot of farmland. And I had kind of a farmer that kind of took me under his wing and showed me, you know, different things, showed me how to work on my bike and, you know, things that I didn't know how to do. And I want to pass that on to other people. Um, I got a couple partners in this too. My main partner is Scott Summers. Um, we've been friends since we were like nine years old. The other partners is Donnie Schmidt, God rest his soul. We all met when we were about nine years old at the Mini Cycle Nationals in, in Zwingle, Iowa, of all places. And uh, me and Donnie piled around a lot when we were when we were young. Donnie never raced a Supercross race. He just raced outdoors. Uh, I would race Supercross and get hurt. <laughs> and then Scott, of course is in Kentucky. Um, I'm planning on purchasing some land in Kentucky to do my project on. Um, and I've self-funded for the last probably seven years. But basically what riding a dirt bike does for a kid is it raises their self-confidence 100%, raises their self-esteem 100%. It's just a, a lot of a lot of positive impact. Basically, we try to target troubled youth or just any kid that shows an interest in riding a dirt bike. We want to be able to allow that kid to ride that dirt bike at, at no cost to him. So we look for sponsors. We look for people to fund us. Uh, which is kind of a struggle. Yeah, always is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, always is. Always is. It's not like the old days where I wrote a letter to WD-40. They were my very first sponsor ever. So I, I got a case of WD-40 from them, and I, I think I still got a couple cans left. 
I think that might have been my first sponsor too. Now that you mention it, the old big big WD forty yellow sticker you put on your bike, and yeah, but yeah, I, w- I wanted to point out, like, I think it was cool. I wrote down, you said your first bike, nineteen seventy six YZ eighty. You said it was six hundred eight dollars. Yeah, is that what you said? Six hundred eight bucks. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's unreal, isn't it? Yeah. When you think about how far the costs have come now, you know, for that same bike, it's probably, you know, 5K for a, yep. for a YZ80 now. It's crazy. And back then, everyone was racing XR75. So my very first race took off, got a great start. And uh, I probably would have won the race if I knew I was actually supposed to pass the kid in front of me. So <laughs> I ended up just rolling around in second place. And that was it, you know, just a, a normal fun day for me, I guess, at that time. But I didn't realize the ramifications of it all. Oh, yeah gets in you doesn't it i had this cool quote that i wrote down that you said you said you tasted dirt in every state and you saw some of europe so i mean you advanced pretty far i guess you advanced to the professional level right and then on dirt and road racing from what i understand so you also were a road racer too yeah a little bit of road racing um it's a little different when you hit the dirt going 60 mile an hour is one thing but you hit the cement going about 200 that's a little different but to me it's just motorcycles are in my blood I don't know if you want to call it therapy or not, but to me, it's part of my being, I guess. Throttle therapy. Yeah, exactly. Dirt therapy, I call it. Yeah. Well, so that after your racing, I I noticed you spent quite a few years in the automotive sector as like a general manager, salesman. Are you retired from that now? Yes. I I lived the corporate life for a while. I was a corporate trainer for Goodyear um, right when I retired from racing. Uh, I owned a couple of my own businesses. I owned an auto shop, a filling station, went through a couple couple marriages. then I managed the, probably the largest Ford dealer west of the Mississippi. It was a Ford, Hyundai, Mitsubishi, BMW dealer. Most car salesmen sell on average probably eight cars a month. I was kind of gifted at that, that I kind of had the gift of listening. You know, the cars pretty much sell themselves. And I, my first month out, I sold like 40 cars because I didn't know any better. You know, <laughs> so I had a good, good career doing that. But I retired in 2015. I went to seminary school, became a minister. Call it midlife crisis, call it whatever you want. But I knew I wanted to do this uh, this project that I'm doing now, and that was a, it was a good opportunity for me to do that. And it's very simple. Uh, I can do it in a half acre yard, an acre yard, just a round oval. I teach the kids to fly, and how I teach kids to fly, I make just a little six inch mound of dirt. How high they want to go or how far they want to fly is up to them. You know. The second thing I do is r- real important. I I make a mud hole basically. Okay. So I tell these kids, oh, stay off to the left because there's still a kid down on the right. And their eyes get real big and they get shocked, you know, because they don't know if this is a 20 foot mud pit or just whatever. So, you know, the little bikes, they go right through it. Basically, I have them go till they're tired, which is pretty quick, you know, as we all know from riding motocross or riding a dirt bike. And the whole idea behind it is, is when I have them stop for a water break, I go over and I inspect the motorcycles. Well, there's always going to be one kid that's like me that's going to be out there in front. And there's always going to be one kid that's lagging way behind. And what I do is very simple. I just simply adjust the throttle cables on him. So that kid that was first, I turn his so his bike barely runs. And the kid that was last, I turn his throttle way up. In that instant, that kid that was last is now first and pretty much brings tears to my eyes every time it happens. But that kid, he becomes really a new person. When his parents or whoever comes to pick him up at the end of the day, he, he's not that introverted little kid anymore. He, he's the winner. You know, just that one small thing for that kid. And the kid that's first, it, his, he's always going to be like that. doesn't affect him a bit. I just say, oh, you've got a bike problem or something, you know, but it really does change that, that individual. It's something to help build up their confidence. And I think you describe it as prescribing dirt and sun and a dirt bike works. Your services are used to improve physical, mental, and emotional well-being. You're giving them this opportunity to be in nature, ride something that's exhilarating, and 
just kind of learn some things along the way. Correct. You mentioned earlier, because I had Scott Summers down here. So like, is he still a big part of the, you know, the, this whole idea? He is. Um, the, the thing, though, that I'll be, be hard to do after this podcast is, but I'm purchasing this land in Kentucky and he doesn't know about it. Ah. He's got 120 acres there already. I got some land near Oneida, Kentucky is where it's going to be. Um, it backs up to the Daniel Boone National Forest. So I'm getting 1,185 acres, which the Daniel Boone Forest actually is 16,000 acres. So that'll give me oh, 17,185 acres to, to play on. The, the other part that I do with my property is the way that I pay for it. Um, trying to help veterans out, trying to help single moms, you know, families in need. Kentucky is one of the poorest states there is in the, in the country. Jobs are kind of few and far between. What I do, though, is I, I will build 20 houses on the property. Um, each house will come with a couple acres. But the kicker will be is each house will come with a greenhouse. So the greenhouse will produce an income for the, you know, the occupant of the home. Um, these greenhouses, they're hydroponic. They take care of themselves. We target, you know, grocery stores, that sort of thing. But the whole idea behind it is someone's got PTSD or a veteran that's, that's struggling. Uh, I hate to call it eco-friendly living or communal living, but that's kind of what it what it's like. So it gives those people an instant job. It gives them a stable home and also kind of brings those families together. So the, the community will benefit in it that they're going to get some fresh organic food. And every grocery store is looking for that right now. So. But yeah, it's interesting concept. I mean, I, the word communal living did come to mind for me when I was doing the research. So it's it's kind of that concept, like you said, where everybody sort of helps everybody. It is more of like that community aspect where like someone needs a tool, you can go ask your neighbor and everybody's kind of part of that. So very interesting concept. Yeah. If, if you look back on it, you know, in, in, in history, you know, the, the Native Americans, they survived by making their lodges bigger. So they welcomed everyone into their community. And that's kind of what I'm what I'm after a little bit too. So the two groups I want to be around the most would be the motorcyclists and the military people. Something about those two groups that they a lot of camaraderie between them. Um, but when the, a lot of times those veterans get back, they lose that structure. To give them something like that and to make a safe place for them, and also make it some place where they can be proud of themselves, uh, that that's a big part of it too. I think I read where you said it's an alternative to couch and chair treatment and prescribed medication. Obviously, the goal would be to try and help people with their mental well-being without having to use prescription drugs or go to a typical therapist. Exactly. Riding a dirt bike puts you in kind of the here and the now. Um, what I call it is a therapeutic uh, recreation health and wellness centers. You know, this will be my first big project that I'm doing like this, but at, at the heart of every community, I want that to be at the center. So people from schools, from colleges, from in town, they can all come out and enjoy that. My father was a psychologist. So that kind of rings home with me that it really has never worked. You know, you little kids, they don't need to be on Adderall. They don't need to be on all this ADHD medicine or whatever it is. If they're a hyper little kid, they're a normal kid, you know? Yeah. You're giving them this opportunity to kind of get rid of some of that pent up energy and whether it's running around the woods or riding a motorcycle. So it sounds, right. sounds like there's something there for sure. Well, have you been able to secure any any uh, outside funding yet for this? Or have you come up with like a, a date to break ground on this whole project? Well, my date to break ground on this, hopefully I'll be closing on this deal. Uh, I've got an independent investor um, that, that's helping me out with this. I certainly could use any type of donations that anyone will want to come forward with. The person I have not hit up yet is Honda. So Honda, the power of dreams, they're a big part of my dream. So with Scott, you know, being a, a 
Honda guy. Uh, I think we have a little in there. Um, at one point, Honda had a program similar to what I'm doing. They, they just shut it down a couple of years ago, and it was called NIPEM, and it was a national youth project using mini bikes. And they had, at one point, 445 programs in the United States, but they were run by the YMCAs. Uh, the YMCA pulled out years and years ago, so they're down to 38 of these programs, but they recently just shut down their whole program. So I'm hoping to take this over and do this in every state you know, that I can. So just like eating dirt in every state, I'd like to get this thing going back again. Yeah, it kind of makes me think about it in a different way, almost like a, you know, like we have in Idaho here, what's called STAR. It's, you know, it's a riding, learn to ride program. And a lot mm-hmm. of the states have the same thing to where I could see this being picked up by potentially each state because it seems like it's going to do a lot of good for troubled teens and veterans. Yeah. And I've approached the local schools, districts around here, and they're, they're way behind it. So it's just a matter of, uh, you know, put one foot in front of the other, but obviously it comes down to funding and, and time and people. It's tough when you try to do everything yourself. There's, there's a lot of hidden costs that, that go into. So when I retired from the, the car business, I basically became a minister and ministers don't make a whole lot of money, but we have time. You know, so my thinking is on time. Um, I am an inventor. Um, I would like to mention I have an invention that's getting produced currently. Wow. And it's kind of my Nicholas Tesla moment. And this is what I plan to kind of fund everything with. Well, what I've engineered and designed uh, with the help from a guy from Spain, of all places, is batteryless. Catch this batteryless color changing LED lights for wheels. So motorcycle scooters. Originally, I was going to hit like Formula One or, you know, MotoGP or something like that. But I thought, oh, that's a small market. So we're going to hit the bicycle market first, then the scooters then the motorcycles and then go on to the cars. But basically what it is, it, it the colors change during the RPM of the wheel. And it, I won't tell you exactly how it works, uh, but, it, it, but it's very simple design. Uh, you know, that you see these guys all the time when their bicycles all lit up with the LED lights and all that. Oh, yeah. And, well, you know, they have to change batteries on those. Well, with mine, you won't have to Speed do Speed controlled, though, huh? Yes, yes. Inertia controlled. Inertia. Inertia controlled. I like that. Wow. So that's, yeah. I, I never thought about that, but, yeah, I haven't seen that yet. So sounds like a pretty cool project that could just explode. It's huge, yeah. So it's uh, getting produced right now in Taiwan. I tried to hit some American companies up, but they – uh aren't near as receptive. I have, for whatever reason, I've marketed myself in the Asian market a little bit, and they're very receptive to you know ideas and, and moving things forward. So, Before you finish today's episode, first we have a word from our sponsor. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back to the overall project. I mean, what uh, what's one of the biggest things you hope to achieve with this overall project, you know, breaking ground on it and building this community? I guess my whole goal for, for this is I'm going to I'm taking some land that actually has a coal seam in it. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the coal industry, but it has a coal seam in it. My big thing is, is I'd like to have an annual race, something like the Erzberg Rodeo. OK, of all of all things. Yeah. Uh, just because the ground the ground is conducive to that. Uh, it would kind of honor Scott a little bit, I think. Uh, as we get older and older motorcycle guys, you know, I'm not out there whipping it and tail whipping and doing all that, but I'm out there riding a little bit. 
But the big thing is, is to have a place that people can come and, and ride a dirt bike and you know, basically just have a place where we can introduce motorcycling or dirt biking to anyone that shows any type of interest in it at all. And the big thing for me is you go, I don't know how it is in Idaho, but in Iowa, I don't, I don't see anyone out in the parks anymore. I don't see kids out. Um, if you don't have an iPad, you're never going to be the world's greatest dad. Not, to me, that's just terrible. You know, uh, there's so much to see, so much to do, and, and people just, they just aren't doing it anymore. Yep. Well, I wrote down another, I had, I saw this cool uh, meme that you shared recently, and it says, tell me and I forget, teach me and I remember, involve me and I learn. And I just absolutely love that aspect where, you know, it shows a kid working on a motorcycle with, I think, his dad. And it just seems like maybe a cliche thing to say. We just need more of that, I guess. seems like that's sort of an overarching theme for what you're trying to do here. With Here's you know, the other overarching theme. We need more toolboxes and tackle boxes and a lot less X boxes. <laughs> that is a good one. I like that one. <laughs> well, I wrote down another one that you said, I, I am a, I am a ride to live and live to ride little kid. Is that still true yep. today? Oh, very much so. Very much so. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm the same way too. I, I think once it's in you, it never really goes away. Even if you don't ride that much anymore, you know, you're still part of the community. You are. And you know that anyone that's, that's rode a dirt bike or raced a dirt bike from, from our era or whatever, it's really had a positive impact, I think, on, on those people's lives. Um, I know it really has on me, me and Scott's lives. We were distant for a little while. Um, both our fathers passed away, but it kind of brought us back together. But the friendship, the camaraderie that you get from that, the experiences, the oh, the, the highs and the lows of, you know, myself personally, every two years, it seemed like I would get hurt. Um, but it made me a, it made me who I am today. You know, it made me get through struggles, you know, and, and back to my little program. You know, I, I teach the kids to fly. I teach them to get through the obstacles in life, which is the, the mud puddle. And then at the end of the day, I have them take a pressure washer and clean off the little bike that they just rode. So that helps them take care of themselves and their things, which they, they aren't doing that. You know, um, mom's doing all the laundry, mom's doing this, doing that. You know, for me, when I had to ride, I had, me and Scott joke about this all the time, but we, we had chores. You know, I had to mow the lawn. I had different things I had to do with the house or I wasn't getting my 20 buck entry fee. My, you know, yep, good grades. You yeah, good grades all to that, you know. Yep, yep. exactly. Well, Pastor Vance, really appreciate you coming on today and sharing this idea of this concept. I'm hoping to see, you know, uh, how far it goes and, you know, how much success you have with it. Uh, how can people follow you or, or get involved with this uh, this project? Well, to get involved with the project, um, you can, I'll have a website started up here probably in the next couple of days. You know, WIPEM is acronym for the youth project using motorcycles and mentors. And we need mentors. We need people that want to... Uh, encourage others. I call it, you know, military, motorcyclists, musicians, you know, anything that you can, you can see on um, my, my LinkedIn, anyone can contact me on my LinkedIn is, is under pastor Vance Barton. And that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me at this point. Um, or my personal email shepherd of the field shepherd spelled S H E P P A R D of the field at gmail.com. Or you can call me direct, uh, 319-423-5735. And I'll take calls 24-7, 365 on any of it. Well, we're looking forward to seeing uh, this project hopefully come to fruition and, uh, you know, where things go. It's definitely groundbreaking and unique for the power sports industry. And it sounds like it's much needed. So 
Uh, looking forward to seeing where things go with you. Again, appreciate your time today, Pastor Vance. I appreciate you too, Dale. Um, it's it's good that you're doing this podcast. Um, to, to get more information out there is, is great for all of us. Um, and I'll definitely keep you posted as the progress that I got going. Looking forward to seeing it. Thanks so much. Appreciate your time today. All right. Thanks. If you enjoyed this episode, follow Pit Pass Moto on your favorite podcast listening app so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on social media or visit pitpassmotorsports.com where you can listen to past episodes and find the latest news on the Pit Pass Motorsports blog powered by Podium Life. There you'll find articles and other industry news focused exclusively on two and four wheel motorsports. Head to pitpassmotorsports.com to listen to the latest episode of Pit Pass Moto. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to the production team at Wessler Media. I'm Dale Spangler. I hope you'll join me next week for another episode of Pit Pass Moto. Thanks for listening. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) I know, right?